Welcome to the Rising Stars Podcast, where we unpack trends and tips in the point-of-sale space and IT channel industry. My name is Kate Arara, and I am the Partner Development Manager at Star Micronics America. I've worked in the channel for almost 18 years, and I've met some fascinating people along the way. My goal for this podcast is to connect you with some of the most influential people in the channel space to provide you insight and inspiration to help your business succeed. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. I am so excited and honored to be with one of Star's esteemed partners, Israel Morrison from Retail Management Hero. He is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Retail Management Hero. Um, and I would love for Israel, could you just you know introduce yourself a little bit, what you do at, at Retail Management Hero and a little bit about what your software is? Uh, sure. Thanks, Kate. And uh, thanks, Star, for having me on this. Um, it's definitely a privilege. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the director of sales here at Retail Management Hero. I started in the point of sale industry just a, a little over 10 years ago um, at, at hospitality centered uh, uh, point of sale software. And I kind of navigated through the industry through a, a couple acquisitions. And then I joined Retail Management Hero about five years ago. Um, and uh, ever since day one, I've been very channel focused. Um, I, uh, every role I've had has been um, in uh, helping support our partner channels, um, resellers, sell more software. So uh, we haven't done any direct sales. We uh, basically are helping recruit and uh, train and help uh, partners bring a solution to the, um, the end user, the customer. Um, so at Retail Management Hero, I kind of oversee all the sales activities, including partner recruitment. Um, as well as our marketing activities, our lead generation, and then I do kind of day-to-day partner management and kind of alliance management as well, um, working with uh, vendors and strategic partners like yourself, um, Star. Now, how long did you say you've been at Retail Management Hero? Um, I, just over five years now. Okay, awesome. And so that's interesting. So you started, you had background in hospitality, and now you're more in the retail sector. So What's like kind of the main differences that you notice from a software perspective of those types of approaches? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the biggest difference to me is I think retail generally is more complex. Um, in hospitality, you can kind of fit uh, the customer into a couple different segments of how they do business, you know, quick service, um, counter service or uh, uh, full service with a bar, night uh, life. Um, and there's a few categories there, you know, sometimes they're attached to a hotel, sometimes they're attached to a larger venue, whereas retail, that's kind of a much broader base of uh, different types of retailers. So I think that is the uh, primary difference that I noticed. Um, so it's a little bit more complexity on the retail side. Um, it's also a little bit different type of buyer and, uh, and customer. Um, the in the in the hospitality side, I would say the the owners are that's their passion. They wanted to go out and they wanted to own a business uh, or own a, uh, a restaurant um, because they loved food or they loved uh, a bar. And so they went out and they did that. And that's really their passion. Um, and retail, they're a little bit more analytical um, when it comes to um, the supply chain and the uh, how they go to market. Um, and then the other, I guess the other thing is kind of the support um, of those, you know, a bar or a restaurant might be open till two o'clock in the morning, whereas uh, most retailers, you know, other than stuff, some are open 24 hours, but some of them are kind of have more standard business hours. So the support of those two different types of uh, clientele is, uh, I would say, quite a bit different. So those are a few of the, the things that I've seen uh, from my experience between the two. Okay. 
So could you tell us a little bit more about RMH's software and, you know, kind of the, the complexities of it? Sure. So yeah, Retail Management Hero is at its core, it's a retail point of sale and management platform. Um, it kind of has the core functionality to cover a, a wide range of retailers. Um, and we'll talk, I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the specific segments, but it's kind of a horizontal product in that it can fit in a lot of different types of retailers. Um, but really uh, what separates us and kind of what, what the benefit of our Retail Management Hero is, is that it's very customizable, uh, very extendable. You can integrate with it. Um, we, we publish our uh, SDK. Um, so people can take our software and they can essentially manipulate it uh, to fit into unique business uh, situations, um, fulfill specific requirements or integrate a variety of different uh, third party products. Um, we have two kind of core products that we sell. One is your in-store uh, point of sale that's uh, called RMH Store. That's essentially think of that as your register where you're ringing up transactions and you're managing um, your inventory and your, uh, your your reporting and things like that. The other is what we call RMH Central, and that's for multi-store owners. So when you have two or more stores, you know, maybe two, 10, 20, 100, uh, I think our largest store on that is in the 200 range right now and growing. Um, that's where you connect all of your stores and you can break them down by individual uh, segments or regions, and then you can push updates and get aggregated information. So you can carry the same products across all your stores. You can segment them into uh, specific product lines, uh, push down sales and um, uh, discounts or taxes. So you can fulfill those kind of regional requirements um, with RMH Central. That's a little bit about our software. Well, the other thing I'll mention is that we do sell exclusively through the channel. Uh, so we don't offer our software directly. We have, uh, you know, resellers here in North America that we work directly with. And then we have uh, internationally as well. Um, we have uh, distributors on five different continents uh, and they have resellers underneath them. So there's a lot of regional variability to the requirements. So our software is very adaptable. Um, so you can change languages. You can integrate with this different reporting and fiscal requirements. Um, so that's that's how we go to market is through resellers here in North America and then a distribution um, internationally. Wonderful. I think it's it's uh, uh, as a channel girl or girl at heart. I've been in the channel now for my 18 years of this career. And of course, I know Star is very channel friendly. So good to hear that. And I know that the majority of our listeners are mostly channel resellers. Well, we have a couple end users here and there. So you end users, we're, 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 we're still welcoming you too. I hope you learn yeah. as well. Um, well, you mentioned the industries and, and you kind of, you said that you had kind of a broad spectrum or you, it's, you kind of dabble a little bit. So what are some of the key industries that your software supports and how does it provide innovation to the customers or through your resellers to the end customer? Right. So, yeah, as I mentioned, we're a very horizontal product. So the core functionality reaches a lot of different verticals, but some of the key ones that uh, you know, our, our resellers uh, focus on quite a bit are grocery. Um, so grocery stores, kind of uh, convenience stores, uh, sub, sub segments of that, like health food stores um, and then, uh, you know, ethnic groceries, um, things like that. So for kind of the grocery space, uh, liquor stores is a very common one. We have quite a few resellers that that's their primary market. Um, then I would say apparel um, is another one, um, but really any any type of independent retailer that needs to be able to um, obviously sell and, uh, or purchase and sell products and track uh, data. 
Um, and that's a big thing I think we're going to focus on quite a bit is that is the is the data. Um, it, being able to uh, categorize um, all of your your customers, your uh, products, um, and then capture all that information, have access to it, and then be able to manipulate it um, is really kind of a key requirement for a lot of different retailers. Uh, so those are a few grocery, liquor, apparel. Um, other than that, we get into more kind of niche or specialized verticals, and we really take it where our, or our reseller channel and partners um, want to take it because, again, that's the advantage of having very adaptable and customizable and integratable product is that our partners can take it and fit it into specific use cases. Uh, for example, we have a partner that sells exclusively to comic book shops, and that's their only customer, uh, only type of customer. They have you know several hundred location uh, comic book locations, and they were able to integrate um, our software with kind of the supplier side, the Marvels, the Capcoms of the world, and that just kind of streamlines the whole inventory uh, process. It, it helps uh, figure out you know special editions, whether those are available, or how to get those quickly to the customer who may be in store. Uh, so that's one example. We also have uh, I won't ma name names, but we have one of the larger um, thrift store uh, 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 customers in the in the in the U.S. Um, and so a, a partner that has worked with them has developed a tool that basically tracks the uh, product from the time that it's donated uh, through the sale. And now they can get analytics on who their best pricer is. And so the person that's taking the donation in and then tagging it with whatever color tag they're tagging it and pricing it however they want, they can now track that all the way through the sale. And now they can get analytics on that and say, you know what, when this person uh, prices things, they fly off the shelves very quickly. So let's learn from them. So they the, so they're built a tool that that captures the information, and then they are they enable their customer to take that and uh, put it to use and better uh, better price their items. We also have things like uh, specialized verticals like pool supplies. We have one of the larger pool supply um, retailers in North America, and also beauty supplies, another specialized vertical. Uh, we have quite a few beauty supply shops. Uh, so it's really all over the map in terms of which type of verticals. But if you're talking about, you know, out of the box, which ones are some of the key ones, I would say grocery, liquor, apparel. Um, but again, a wide variety. Really anybody that needs to collect that data, have a very well-structured set of data, and then be able to take that data and put it to use um, through reporting or analytics, purchasing, uh, leveraging customer data. Um, that's that's kind of a customer profile. I know it's kind of broad, but uh, hopefully that gives you an idea of the type of customers um, and again, I should mention that's for single locations uh, up to multi-store, you know, if you have hundreds of locations, it's kind of that mid-upper SMB market, market that sub-enterprise market. Okay. So you, you talk about the typical, you're talking about your resellers. So I'm kind of curious to the, the types of resellers that partner with RMH, but then also kind of like the process. So you're talking about like you had a... a um, a large or large thrift store that that you guys have used your customizability and integratability. I think we're making up words as we yeah, go on here. Maybe. But hopefully it gets the point across. Yeah, I think <laughs> I hope so. Um, but so I'm kind of curious what that process looks like whenever they're like whenever someone a reseller comes to you, because sometimes there's I wonder if it's almost like a game of telephone where you like it gets lost in translation. Does the end? Do you ever have communication with the end user so you can design things with them? Or I'm just kind of curious. You know, first, you know, so part one of the question is the types of resellers that RMH usually 
partners with. And then the second is kind of more like the processes and procedures of how you do customize a software solution for their end customer. Sure. Yeah. So, so um, from a, the type of reseller that we're looking for, we're looking for, you know, a few criteria. Um, and really the biggest criteria is that they're going to take good care of their customer. Um, they need to, you know, be able to show us that they're going to take good care of their customer, be able to support them, be able to, you know, be motivated enough to learn the soft ins and outs of the software to translate to that customer and help them solve the business needs. Um, obviously, they need to have, you know, some of the sales and technical uh, capabilities to be able to do that. You know, RMH is not a good fit for every single person that calls themselves a VAR out there. Uh, but I think they're, you know, we, we are looking for kind of that traditional VAR that really wants to add value during the process. They aren't just necessarily taking our software, slapping it on a piece of hardware and selling to the customer and never hearing from them again. We want them to be able to take our software, bundle it with the right components, including payment processing, um, obviously hardware like Star um, industry leaders um, from a hardware perspective, other uh, components like, um, you know, uh, software solutions such as e-commerce or loyalty, uh, things like that, and then bring a full package solution to the end user. And along, along with that, provide that kind of that business and industry expertise to the end user. So it's not necessarily a requirement that you know all the ins and outs of the business processes um, when, you're, you know, when you're signing up to be a reseller of ours. But it obviously helps, you know, the more you know about a uh, business process or a specific vertical, the more successful you're going to be, because at the end of the day, the customer needs to be able to rely on you and trust you as their business provider, not just their technology provider. Um, so that's kind of the process and what we're looking for. And it really, you know, we have, uh, you know, very small shops, one and two man uh, dealerships. Um, and then we have much larger shops that have, you know, full help desks and are either regional or international um, distribution. So it's not necessarily the size of the reseller. It's more about their willingness and capability of taking good care of that customer, delivering uh, a, a robust solution and really adding value along the way. And I guess the last requirement I would mention is that we are very community focused. Um, we have an international partner community. And so we are really looking for uh, partners that play well within that community. Um, you know, a lot of times, um, People, other people in the community might know certain aspects of our software, the industry, even better than we do. Um, so it's really important for that our, our resellers, our distributors to 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 uh, be able to collaborate and work with other partners in the community, and that has worked out very well for us. Um, we've really, I think, uh, we we very often get the uh, it feels like a community vibe when people attend our events and our partner conferences and things like that. Uh, so that's a little bit about kind of the texture, I would say, of our partner um, uh, reseller and what we're looking for. Um, in terms of how we collaborate on those, you know, it really depends on on the on the situation. Um, sometimes the reseller is, you know, fully adept and knows all of the um, uh, ins and outs of our software and how to integrate um, with our with our software. They, the tools are already there um, that they can take it and they can customize it or add an extension or or, or reorganize um, some of the workflows um, and the tools are already there. Um, so they can take it and just run with it. And sometimes we don't even know about it. You know, we learn about it after the fact. Other times uh, they need some help for, you know, how do we 
uh, do this type of integration? Is it possible with the existing tools? And if it's not possible with the existing tools, then we need to get a clear requirement and understanding of you know, what in the software needs to change. Is there a certain type of field that needs to have a different property? Or is there something in the software development that, that's maybe not, not clear or um, we need to expand to allow, allow an, uh, uh, an additional uh, integration point? Um, one example is we recently made an update. We have a, along with the store and the central products, we have uh, RMH loyalty. So it's our own built-in loyalty program. Um, and it's it's a pretty robust uh, program on its own uh, on its own. But sometimes partners want to take it and extend that. And so we recently built out an SDK for that. And so that allows them to take uh, the loyalty and now integrate it with other um, components. You know, uh, I don't know if anybody's completed this yet, but like an e-commerce, so you can earn and spend points uh, through your e-commerce transactions. So that's a little bit of how we work with partners. Um, hope that answers the question. Okay. So what are some of the maybe unique trends that you've kind of noticed um, and how is RMH leading to stay ahead of some of these trends? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things that come to mind. One is from a, con a consumer uh, purchasing uh, behavior. There's a couple ones, you know, we've seen and, and this has popped up in the news quite a bit recently, um, the more of the buy now pay later or putting things on layaway and kind of buying on credit um so those that is kind of a purchasing behavior that's come up recently um you know out of the box our software supports that and so uh we haven't really need to make any changes to support that type of thing it's just more and more adoption here uh, domestically whereas internationally that's been uh you know more of a prevalent um purchasing habit but we've seen that more and more domestically so that's one. I think it's no surprise, you know, no secret to anybody that there's been more e-commerce, buy online, pick up in store, um, as well as self-service coming to market. Um, so that's another purchase be purchasing behavior that is changing or, or you know, it's maybe it's not unique, but it's it's something that's uh, that's here and very prevalent. Um, so with our, our software, um, obviously, what we try to do is enable those those functionalities. So make it easier to integrate e-commerce um, or we have several partners that have built uh, customer facing kiosk based solutions. Um, and uh, I had one other one. Let's see. Oh, uh, from a purchasing side, um, the it, uh, you know, there's definitely supply chain um, issues over the last few years. Um, and making sure that certain inventory is uh, in there um, and also the data about the specific inventory. Um, and so there from a from a customer marketing, collecting that data, collecting that information and then uh, taking the product data and really tailoring it, your messaging, your marketing uh, to those customers. And so from a uh, product information standpoint, you need to know, obviously, what's what's in stock, what's available, make sure that you have the right products to service your markets, but also um, being able to make sure that the right information about those products are getting out to the customers. Um, so things like books, you know, they have a lot of different properties like, uh, you know, author, genre, um, categories, um, all these different things. And, and, you know, many more than I can name. I have different ISP and numbers, um, pricing, things like that. So with our software, we have the capability to add extended properties into it. And so that's something we've uh, um, enhanced recently. Um, and that helps our, our partners. Uh, collect more information about the products um, and then it, it extends to the customers as well because um, 
uh, retailers are needing to better focus their marketing efforts, figure out who the texture of their buyer is so that they can, they can bring them in uh, to the store. And so being able to collect that data, the very detailed data, for example, in a, in a pet shop, uh, we need to obviously be able to capture the customer's information, their phone, their email, all the standard stuff. But then they have pets as well. And now we can we can capture the names of their pets, the birthdays of their pets, special um, details about them, and then report on those. And now we can really tailor our uh, customer marketing engagement plan to those uh, to those uh, customers. So those are I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of how we um, that, how we help the retailer. Um, with our software, again, being able to collect that data and then take action on it. Okay. So I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because I think we've talked about this in the past. Um, and tablet-based point of sale is really, especially in these these smaller businesses that you guys have on your in your portfolio. Um, that's kind of the it's it, tablet based point of sale is really driving that where the transaction takes place. So what what are maybe maybe your thoughts on tablets and other mobile devices taking over completely versus the traditional touch screens? And um, what is RMH doing um, with that development? Yeah, so I, th I think one thing we need to clarify with that type of question is what, when we talk about tablet, uh, what are we really talking about? Are we talking about form factor of the device or are we really talking about cloud um, versus on-premise? And I think that's more of the crux of your question because if we're just talking about form factor, I mean, most on-premise systems at this point can be ran on a smaller form factor. So if, that's, if you ask uh, somebody that says, hey, I want a tablet-based system and uh, you ask them, why do you want that? And they're things oh well, i like the i like the look and feel of this small device and it's not about cloud computing or accessing um their information from different parts of the world um through a web login if it's more about the form factor then you know that's really uh, i would say pretty easy to overcome because that maybe it's just a knowledge thing they just don't know that these on-premise systems can be ran on a small form factor kind of that uh, you know, sexy look and feel um, device that some people have, you know, one in their shops. Um, there's a lot of, even on premise, the fully robust uh, traditional point of sale terminals have become very slick uh, and sleek looking to kind of accommodate that. So I guess that we'd want to separate, you know, is it a, I want a tablet because of the form factor or I want a tablet because of the cloud component. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not one to bash our competitors or say this is not, uh, you know, uh, we're so much better because of this or that. Um, but there are differences and there's, uh, you know, there's reasons that somebody would go to cloud and there's reasons that somebody would uh, stick with on-premise. And at its core, I think, you know, from a generally, uh, speaking generally, I would say the cloud uh, systems, although they've made you know, incredible advances over the last 10 years during my career, uh, they're still not necessarily as sophisticated as what an on-premise uh, system can offer. Um, and part of that is the robustness of a da the database that can run on-premise. And so um, if we're talking about smaller merchants, I think, like you said, that uh, that applies to them. And I would, you know, I, I'd, I'd be lying to say that on a on the lower end, um, you know, the, the one and two or uh, one and two store um, shops, that that's a, a definitely a competition in some cases. Uh, but when you talk about, businesses that have a lot of volume 
a huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of products and SKUs, multiple suppliers, integrating multiple different components. Maybe they have e-commerce orders coming in from a variety of different platforms. Maybe they have um, um, uh, integration to an ERP above store uh, enterprise um, resource uh, planning uh, system, accounting systems. You know, I think there's more capabilities and robustness with the on-premise um, solutions. Um, and then the other thing I'll mention, I've mentioned this already, I'll probably come up again, is the data, is where does the data reside and who owns that data? Um, for, in a cloud-based system, you know, you may not, you may, it may be your data that you're running transactions through, but who owns and who can use that data? In an on-premise premise localized database, you know that data resides within your store, right? And so that, you know, you can shut the system down. Uh, nobody has access to that data. Um, other than you, you're the ones that can run analytics on it. We don't know necessarily um, who owns that data 100% of the time for the cloud-based systems and what are they doing to leverage that data? Um, you know, you might be a small business operation, but they might be, uh, there might be uh, entities that are able to access kind of aggregated reporting and now make a pricing adjustments or product adjustments uh, to kind of, uh, uh, let's say, put their thumb on the scale from a competition standpoint, um, whereas a smaller retailer may not have the budget to go out and access uh, those industry reports or the um, or, or the, the data collection. And this is no secret that this has been happening over the last, uh, you know, 10 years or more. Um, but uh, so that's one aspect of it is, you know, really who owns that data. And I think that there are certain buyers that care more or less about that. And I think for that simple fact alone, uh, there's always going to be a place for on-premise solutions um, and, and you know, to some degree, even cash registers because some people really want to hide their data, right? Um, so I, and then, then there's the hybrid uh, solutions um, that's kind of a portion on-premise, a portion in the cloud. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I maybe I'm just not aware of it. I don't know anybody that's really knocked it out of the park. Um, with that solution yet, I think I think in the next ten years there probably will be a a, a very competitive solution that goes that route. Uh, but uh, those are some of the differences and kind of when we're talking to customers, really trying to understand their needs. Um, you know, from why do you want? Is it form factor? Is it some functionality? Are you going to scale? You know, from a on-premise standpoint, it's much easier to scale uh, because you know the the terminals are you know just much have much more horsepower. And you can add to them, you can grow them, you can add servers and add um, all sorts of processing power. Um, so if you're adding more lanes or more stores or things like that. Um, so those are some of the differences, kind of things that we talk about. Uh, I guess the other thing I would mention is along with the cloud com com uh, competitors, uh, you know, their pricing is typically uh, on a SaaS based. And so uh, from, from our standpoint, that's another thing we've done to kind of compete with that is we offer both a purchase as well as a SaaS uh, or subscription models, what we call it. Um, so that kind of uh, levels the playing field from a purchasing standpoint. And our partners then take that and they bundle it into a whole bundle and they're able to offer very competitive pricing. Um, and, and again, you have a little more flexibility about the components that you integrate to that system, your payment process and your e-commerce. You might not see with the on-premise system, you might not necessarily be locked in to the one that the cloud provider is offering. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm assuming that you also, because I mean, I, I wonder if maybe your reseller partners, they're pushing your solution, your software 
and they get some pushback from the end user like why well, I, I have this tablet that i just want to use because it's i already own it so it's easier for me to just go ahead and implement it do you, I'm, I'm assuming you give them kind of like some guidance on like how they can communicate why an on-premise solution might be better or might be superior to the versus the other solution yeah, um, I mean, and again, it really goes uh, merchant to merchant. Um, you know, some some are totally satisfied with their existing solution, and there's really not much reason to change. Uh, you know, in certain cases, our software is overkill, and we're not going to hide that fact. It's it's more robust than you need, so and there's no point in you spending you know a little bit extra money uh, to to get a solution like because you're not going to scale it. You're not going to have you know hundreds of thousands of SKUs or need to integrate multiple components. Uh, so it's like, okay, they're, they're, you know, we're not going to put the hard sell on switching that. Now, you, there may be some aspects. You may have a little more flexibility in the payment processing. That's one thing I would recommend anybody um, that's really set on a cloud provider verify before they sign that contract is what are they really locking themselves into. Um, I mean, that goes for every, everything, but I would say in that, in that realm. Um, so, yes, we do provide some guidance. Um, but our partners are pretty adept at it. You know, they're the ones out on the feet on the street. They're the ones running in uh, to the uh, customers, the merchants, and having these conversations um, on a daily basis. So when you're providing that, when you're working to provide that complete solution for these end users, what does RMH consider when collaborating with its hardware manufacturers and its resellers, like what are you know, what, what are some things that you guys are considering at that point? Yeah, so so generally we we are an open platform in that we allow our resellers to kind of pick and choose the hardware that they want to use. Um, but when we're thinking about you know who do we partner with, um, obviously you know the biggest thing, and this this goes for not only the hardware vendors but also the resellers, is somebody is reliability, stability. Uh, those are the ease of deployment. Those are the things that really make it easy to work with the hardware vendor. When it's easy to deploy, I'm not going to, you know, have to spend hours reconfiguring this or um, down, you know, adjusting the firmware ten different times. Um, that's uh, you know, ease of deployment, it's reliability, stability. Something we're not. It's not going to break down or, or freeze all the time. It's not going to have to be repaired every two months. Um, those are uh, those are the, some of the key things. Um, but then from, you know, uh, looking more broadly, we uh, uh, so, uh, hardware that's innovating, kind of seeing those industry trends and uh, and reacting to them. We talked a little bit about form factor. Um, and so, you know, maybe the demand is going to a little bit smaller printer um, or maybe a larger printer in some cases. Uh, but and maybe the labels, for example, label printer, it might uh, need it might need to handle a wide variety of different types of labels. Um, so that ease of deployment, being able to meet the changes in market demand, and then um, being configurable. Um, and obviously, you know, a lower price point never hurts, uh, but that shouldn't be the end-all be-all when it's talking about hardware uh, providers, because, uh, you know, it's, better, it's, it's, it's a lot less expensive to spend a little bit more upfront uh, on a piece of hardware that's going to uh, stand the test of time and not give you headaches than it is to have to replace that or get it serviced all the time. So that's a little bit about what we're looking for. Now, there are so many rapidly evolving technologies. You talked about cloud-based, point of sale. Of course, there's e-commerce, we talked about that. 
AI is all over the place now, online ordering. So it's hard for us to really sort through everything um, as well as, okay, which is most crucial for my business to function. So which ones do you think are the most important and what solutions do you, are you providing to implement those particular technologies? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of an interesting question. I think it varies quite a bit depending on the type of retailer, what's most important to them. If they do have an online presence and e-commerce presence, obviously they need an e-commerce solution that's been growing you know, uh, exponentially. Um, over the last few years, and then the different forms of e-commerce. You know, you might have a website that you sell things. You might sell things on Amazon. You might sell things over Uber Eats. I mean, they're starting to sell uh, or, or uh, deliver retail products, you know, from uh, some of the big box retailers and some of the small merchants as well. Um, so obviously that's something you look at is how are you getting the product to your customer. Um, so that's a big one. I think anybody needs to, who's in the retail space needs to evaluate um, I think the customer, um, it, when we talk about AI, I think it's an interesting one. I think there's a lot of companies out there calling themselves AI, but they're really, from my perspective, more automation um, and automating certain aspects, collecting data or filling in blanks, and then um, automating certain processes around customer engagement. Um, I think AI, there's, that's going to, I mean, that, that's here. It's, it's, it's happening. Um, and I think from a product uh, supply side, that's going to benefit a lot of retailers and being able to kind of uh, better predict uh, what, when and uh, how to purchase items and make sure their there's shelves are stocked with the right items for their customers. Um, so those, that's, uh, again, this kind of goes back to the data uh, in terms of how we're helping them is making sure that we are able to capture the correct customer data. So then now that we can use that data to really uh, use these automation processes to target our specific buyers and build some of that brand loyalty. Um, and then the uh, you know, kind of meeting where the customer where they want to be met um, in terms of online ordering or different uh, um, uh, purchasing behaviors. And it's kind of an interest. I was thinking about this. It's kind of an interesting a couple of different forces at play. Um, and one, there's a big move to really get very friendly for, for retailers and uh, organizations to get very friendly with the customer um, and you know know everything about them and welcome them in um, and kind of really build that brand loyalty to some degree. And, and, and there's another force at play and, uh, you know, and sometimes this changes day to day. It's the, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to go get my item and be in and out of there, right? So, so when you talk about kiosk-based solutions or self-service solutions, so those are kind of two separate forces. And I think depending on the retailer, um, that you know, the, one might be more important than the other, or maybe a combined one. But I do think this very specific, uh, really tailored marketing messages um, is going, you know, from from uh, email marketing, text marketing. Um, to it, it, uh, uh, digital signage boards um, in the uh, retail locations. I think that's all going to be become more and more cohesive to kind of really get at the customer's uh, uh, touch points um, and really tailor the messaging to that. So I think that, and, I, and I'm not an expert necessarily in this field, but I think that is going to take off um, even more so uh, than we've seen uh, to kind of really build that brand loyalty. So digital signage is an interesting thing. So is that something that retail management here offers or is getting into as well? 
Um, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about exactly. Um, you know, from our software perspective, it's not something that we would necessarily uh, build, but you can take uh, components of our software and you can uh, grab grab information out of it. And that can kind of help uh, pick what messaging displays on there, you know, from price points or, or, or you can, it's more of, again, the data, how you structure the data and then leverage that data. Uh, but it's not something, we are necessarily working on digital signage ourselves or third parties that do that. Uh, but being able to interface those two um, and take the data collected from the point of sale side, purchasing behavior, the customer information, and then tailoring that um, messaging through digital signage. I see that coming. I can't say that we have anything right now that's, um, that's, that's kind of interface between the two, but I'm sure that's to come in the next few years. Yeah, I think it's the whole experiential retail environment now. It's it's everybody. If you walk by, especially like if I walk into, I, I think some, I was talking with somebody about how you may have an account on your, like a, a loyalty account on your phone, and then you walk into a store and then a signage comes up and welcomes you. And it's scary, but it's also like, oh, well, you like me. And <laughs> exactly right. Yep. And, and using all those data points about the customer collecting your purchasing behavior and really focusing that message, you know, that's just going to become more and more cohesive. Um, as we go. And, and again, I, I do think there are tools, uh, you know, right now I'm talking a lot about data and right now the folks that have the, the finances to get this data are the large corporations, right? You know, they have, they are able to get this industry information. They're the ones in some cases, in many cases, collecting the data um, and aggregating it across all these. I do think uh, there are tools coming um, as well to help smaller merchants access that information and put a little bit more level playing field uh, with the with the large retailers i do think that's coming um and in an affordable manner for the for those smaller merchants um, i don't know exactly what that looks like but i do think that that is coming um over the next few years i think it's so it's a couple of my key takeaways that i'm hearing from you is is what rmh offers is not only the customizability and integratability of your software to various types of situations and, and customers, but providing good data for the end users to make education or make data-driven decisions to help their businesses grow. It's like, okay, we're not selling enough of this item, so we really probably should discontinue it or, and we need to focus more on this. So I think that that is, I, I know, most businesses should be using data to really make good decisions. I know we do. We we look at data all the time. It's I'm overloaded with data. My head's <laughs> right. But and, but at the same time, I mean, it's a it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing because I can look at it and say, well, this is not working, so it's time to pivot. I think it's like I tell my team, like, fail fast. Let's let's look at something and fail fast. If it's not working, then we pivot, and then we hopefully see a trend in a different direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to get more and more prevalent. Um, and, and one thing I'll mention about this, and I think this may go to one of your questions that, that we haven't touched on yet, but I'll kind of maybe preempt that is one thing that, uh, you know, data is only as good as it's entered into the system, yeah. right? 
Um, and over years, uh, that data gets, if you're not maintaining it, it's kind of like uh, basic hygiene of you know, brushing your teeth every day um, or every so often. You know, if you're not maintaining your inventory or you're not uh, keeping your customer records up to date, that data gets old and stale. And now you're making decisions off of uh, poor information. So uh, one thing I think that part uh, that, that all retailers should be doing is having kind of a process in place, and this is something they can do going forward, um, is making cleaning up that data from time to time. Maybe that's uh, seasonal inventory counts. Maybe it's more often than that, making sure that the products uh, that you are reporting in the system are the ones that are actually on your shelves and that those things match. Um, and then collecting as much customer as you as you can um, and uh, cleaning that up as well. Um, you know, just to kind of give you a little bit of a example, one of and this just is very timely because we our partner hosted a webinar about this just this week. Uh, they actually developed a tool um, using the the RMH uh, development kit to basically clean up that customer data. So they're working with uh, customers who have used uh, have been collecting data over you know decades. And they have, uh, you know, multiple stores, multiple regions. And from time to time, that, you, know, you have duplicates, you have mismatched information. So they've developed a tool to uh, clean up that data, delete the duplicates and merge that record. So now they have a much better understanding of the uh, actual customers that are on their list rather than, you know, a bunch of half the phone number, half email addresses and half names or incorrect um, combinations. So that's one example. Um, from a data collection standpoint, and then our partner taking our software and adding, kind of filling a gap that they saw was that, you know, this process is, it, it, and it's a process, it's a tool, but it's really a process as well to make sure that you're uh, from time to time managing. So that's, if we're asking, if we're asking the question, what's one thing people can do um, going forward? I think that's an answer is, you know, clean up your data um, because uh, the better, the, the cleaner you keep it, the better actionable uh, you can take on it and the easier it's going to be when you really need it. Absolutely. So in what ways do you see the industry or the retail industry being disrupted in the next decade and what can resellers and other software companies do to prepare for or maybe even drive that disruption? Uh, I hate to go back to it again, but data. I think the data is going to trickle down. I think all of this aggregated information that's been collected is going to become more and more available, and people are going to be able to make decisions on that. Um, at the same time, the folks that uh, you know, the larger retailers that have the budgetary to have access, they're going to they're going to change too. I don't. I, I'm not going to give you a prediction. I hate to make predictions. Other than the Super Bowl, I'll predict the Super Bowl maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do live in Las Vegas, so. Uh, but uh, what uh, I think from a reseller standpoint, a VAR standpoint, where again we're talking about value added. Resellers, I think what they can do is one, like I just mentioned, help their customers make sure their information is up to date and that gar you know, it's the old garbage in, garbage out. Try to keep as much of that garbage away from your system as possible. Um, and two, become experts in the uh, in the business processes and the uh, uh, verticals. Um, we talked a little bit about from a, a B two C standpoint, um, the the uh, brand loyalty. Um, I think that applies to the uh, uh, and, and kind of that you know me you know we're we're almost like friends um, kind of creating that atmosphere. I think that uh, VARs can do that with their customers as well and really become their uh, 
relied upon resource for that. So the more you are as a reseller and uh, technology provider staying ahead of these, uh, or, or at least being aware of the, of what's coming or um, kind of what the hot things are, the better you are able to advise your, your customers. So education, I think, is a huge one for uh, retailers to stay ahead of the game. Um, and, uh, and I think offering that kind of personal um, relationship and making them uh, not only your IT uh, advisor, but your business advisor. The more you know about their business processes and the processes in general, the better you're going to be able to guide them and the more they're going to trust you and stick with you. And uh, when you give them advice that, hey, this is changing, you might want to start thinking about this technology, um, they're going to they're going to take your advice. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, I I think you've answered all all my questions. I'm sure I, I would I, we could probably talk for a lot longer. <laughs> um, but I, is there anything else that maybe I didn't cover that you would like to share or that you think I missed? No, I think this has been great, Kate. I, I really appreciate Star um, inviting me to participate in this. Uh, you know, I do, you know, uh, I think Retail Management Hero obviously offers a great solution um, for a lot of different types of retailers. I think, uh, you know, we've grown quite a bit um, since our inception a few years back. And I, I think you're going to see our name out there more and more at industry events um, and uh, in international um, situations. And we're going to continue to partner um, with folks like you, um, because you guys have been great partners. So again, I just appreciate you uh, uh, having me on here. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, there's at least a tidbit here that some of your audience can uh, can take away and maybe um, use to to help their business. Well, we we appreciate the partnership with RMH as well, and and I think that it's a it's a beautiful relationship. So this is a chance for you to kind of plug in where people can find more information about you, about Retail Management Hero, whether it's on social media, blogs, uh, all that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we'll um, uh, obviously our website is re- rmhpos.com, rmhpos.com. Uh, on there, we do publish a, a blog, kind of an industry-focused blog from time to time. You can find information about all the industries we serve, as well as the products that we offer. We also uh, uh, have our training documentation online. You can access it uh, via our website. So it's not something that we hide behind a paywall or login or anything like that. So any of our customers or uh, partners that want to go out there and access some of our training documentation, both uh, documents and videos, uh, you can find that on there. Uh, we will be at quite a few events this uh, next year. I think uh, we'll have some representation at the NRF show in uh, January. We'll be at uh, retail uh, uh, the RSPA Inspire um, as well. A few of us will be there. Um, we'll be at the NGA show along uh, with you, uh, with Star, um, and then uh, and then a few other events. But we do also have our partner conference next year, uh, September twenty fourth through the twenty sixth in New Orleans. Louisiana. Um, so if you're a partner of ours, I really hope to see you there. If you're not a partner of ours and like to learn more, you can reach out to me, um, Israel, I-S-R-A-E-L at rmhpos.com or sales at rmhpos.com. Um, and uh, we can definitely have a discussion and see if RMH is something that, that fits into your uh, your portfolio. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's just crazy that we're already thinking of 2024. And we're, as we're recording this, it's the 15th of December and uh, and NRF is less than a month away and then <laughs> we're going to freeze our butts off in New York City and then like a week and a half later we're going to be defrosting in Puerto Rico for RSPA Inspire so looking forward to both of those events <laughs> yeah I'm excited so 
thanks again, Kate, and happy holidays and happy new year. Um, and yeah, happy new year to the whole audience as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. For more about STAR, visit us at starmicronics.com, where we also have a super informative blog, or follow us on all our social media platforms on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. We love to hear from you all. And that's it for this episode of Rising Stars Podcast. I'm Kate Lara, and I will see you next time.